Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Live. It is Sunday night, October 23rd, the year of our Lord, 2022, proudly presented to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, spanning the entire country now. Pac-12 paid and company, fresh off the plane. We have not slept in 36 hours and counting, but we're not going to do it over the next hour because we've got a jam-packed show high atop picture, perfect downtown Nashville, Tennessee, full week eight reaction. More upsets happen. There are some hard, hard truths that we're going to have to face tonight. No feelings will be spared, but then again, on the flip side, with every death comes rebirth, we've got new contenders emerging all across college football, and I mean all across college football, not just down here in this portion of the country. I can say such things, being Pac-12 Peyton all. Every given Saturday tour, week nine announcement, moments away, about 20 minutes worth of moments away, but we're going to make another, I think, very big and maybe even mildly surprising announcement as to where we're headed in week nine. I got early best bets. I've got folks watching in Easley, South Carolina, San Jose, California. A ton of them are watching in Eugene, Oregon, as it turns out. But I want to give a shout out to Jackson. Kenny and I love you, Jackson. Thank you so much for watching. And Tifton, Georgia, very close by to Ty Ty, Georgia. Thank you so much for watching. We are about 13,000 and change away from 150,000 subs on this channel. We got to get there. I, I Forget the New Year's. I want to get there before my parents' anniversary. Not to give away the surprise, but it's sometime in mid-December. So let's sub to the channel because it's free and because it helps us greatly and it really makes us look good in the eyes of management. Academy loves it. We love it. So sub, sub, sub. And that counts on the podcast too. You guys listen on pod, that's cool. Just sub while you do it. Nothing else happens, it just helps us. Thank you so much. Let's dive into the show tonight. We had um, a, a tough time deciding how to lead the show. So really we have like a, a triple main event. Any of these segments could have led the show. But I gotta tell you something. I was, I was flying back from Portland way, way early this morning and I finally got to watch the replay of Texas A&M, South Carolina because I only knew the final score but I didn't know how it happened. And boy, oh boy, I couldn't help but as I watched South Carolina pull this game out, think back to what would it have been? Summer, when people were doing the win-win, loss-loss, win-loss, in my opinion, very mindless projections for records because there's no skill in doing that, a lot of folks asked the following question about our friends there in Columbia. How in the world will Shane Beamer in South Carolina match nay, exceed last year's win total. And the answer that I gave was not a definitive, oh, they'll do it, don't you worry, but it was, well, the way they'll do it, if it does happen, is you don't play 12 games per Saturday. You just play one of them. Same thing with Arkansas when they asked them about Pittman. You play one game per Saturday. So how could it happen? Well, now here we are in the season, and they're 5-2. and two. How is it happening? Well, they won as a 10-point dog at Kentucky. Will Levis didn't play. They ended up winning. 
And then yesterday, they had A&M come into town. They were a home dog, and they ended up winning. And how'd they do it? Well, I think you saw how they did it. They had 17 points on the board. At the same time, they had 19 total yards on the stat sheet. How does that happen? Well, you have a kickoff return to open the game that basically turns Williams-Brice Stadium into a giant mosh pit. For the next four hours, that place was off of its rocker insane. And I have told you once, if I have told you a thousand thousand times, you do not turn your back on bears. You don't turn your back on men you have wronged. You don't turn your back on the dominant turkey during mating season. And you do not turn your back on South Carolina football in the month of October. October is alive and well. One of our, our close, distinguished co-workers tells me Steve Wilfong just outright used the term with her today and didn't smile. So it's worked its way into the normal lexicon of society, and that's good. October's a real thing. If you don't believe me, ask the Aggies. Ask the Wildcats. Imagine walking up to a swimming pool, totally full of gasoline, and there's a flamethrower over here on the lounge chair. And what do you do if you're A&M? Do you put it away, thinking that could be dangerous? No, no. You take that thing, and you pull your mask down, and you let her rip. And that's exactly what happened when you gave up an opening kickoff return last night, and then you had the defensive score, and it was really over. The score does not dictate that it was over yet, but you know if you're an A&M fan. You haven't scored over 24 points in any of these meaningful games. You scored 24 last night, so you were already way behind the eight ball. Jimbo knew it. I think the whole team knew it. A&M had eight false starts. They played with a new center. They were down a lot of guys, okay? So that was all known, or most of that was known going into the game. But it's the, I think, worst start of their season, and it coincides with them coming off the bye week. And what had I talked about? Now we get to me personally. What I had talked about when I foolishly, albeit slightly, leaned A&M to win the game was I just kind of envisioned Whatever the best version of them was going to be, I, I would get it out of the bye week. I hoped, and I was wrong. And so it worked out the way it worked out. I don't think that's shocking, but how bad was the outcome for A&M? Well, they had 10 more first downs. They had over 100 more total yards. They had 100 more passing yards. They outrushed South Carolina. They were equal in turnover margin, and they were plus seven in time of possession, and they still lost the game because that is what hidden yardage means in a football game. I don't know if you listened to Jimbo Fisher in the postgame. I did. And I'm going to get back to Carolina in just a second. But I think that it's pretty obvious listening to him. Pre-bye week, he thought there's some things we could correct. There's some things we could fix. Now they've come out of the bye week. They lost another game. When I listen to him, I'm not going to say he sounds defeated. He sounds out of answers. He sounds like a guy who's tried everything he knows how to do, and it hasn't worked. Now, there could be two truths in the room here. It could very well be true that Jimbo Fisher has tried everything he knows how to do. What could also be true is everything that can be tried hasn't been tried yet, which leads to the multi-million dollar question that will not be answered until after the regular season ends, and that is what kind of staff changes are you going to see there? I'm not talking about Fisher. I'm talking about, in addition to Fisher, who is added to that lineup of coaches, and is there an offensive coordinator brought in in the more classical sense? of what an offensive coordinator is, but this season is this season. I told you I'm not going to start compounding 20%, 30%, 40% more criticism. They just are who they are. It's a failed experiment this year. They will come woefully short of meeting any kind of preseason expectation, but that's the here and now. Uh, to me, you get through the rest of the season. I mean, they're struggling to make a bowl game now. They're below 500, so they're struggling to make a bowl game. 
And it's, it's crushingly disappointing. I get all that. But to me, it, it's, the car's totaled, okay? So you don't, start, you don't start looking at it every week and saying, oh, it's even more totaled than it was last week. Totaled is totaled. They are who they are. Did you watch Marshawn Lloyd in this game? South Carolina's got a lot to be proud of, namely the recruiting spectacle they just put forth last night. But Marshawn Lloyd, when you watch him run, he had 18 carries for 92 yards. I know that's not the biggest eye-popping stat line in the country yesterday. He, if you have a team that plays like him, you can win any game that you roll into town and, and suit up for. He's good. When he went down with injury and when he has been injured in his career, you know why they take it so hard up there because he's really, really good. I, uh, if you haven't watched the game, you don't have to watch the whole thing, but I ask you to do one thing. I ask you to turn on this replay last night, turn up the volume, and then watch that opening, and then watch when A&M's on defense. Home games in Williams-Brice Stadium are a spectacle. It's one of the most awesome and underrated environments in college football, not just the SEC, in college football. They've got something special there. They know it. Everyone's fully bought in. That place was jammed to the rafters, and everyone does their part. And that's without that team currently being in contention for the playoff and SEC championship. That's not the conversation they're in yet. I say yet because we don't know what's down the road. You certainly wouldn't expect it, but you don't know what's possible. Listen, I would not have mentioned Clemson in that conversation. Circa 2008 and 9. you never know what's possible. But now we look at what is possible in terms of their final schedule, and they've got five wins right now. They play Missouri next, then they go to Vanderbilt, then they go to Florida. Two out of three there I would be happy with if I were a Carolina fan. And then they got Tennessee and at Clemson at the end of the year. They're right there on the precipice of matching or perhaps even exceeding last year's win total. And that's not somewhere we thought they'd be maybe when they started one and two, was it? That's crazy how this game ends up playing out if you just let it play out and you don't reassess quarter to quarter. Congratulations to Shane Beamer in South Carolina. I know uh, Jessica Jackson and those folks in the recruiting department probably had a really fun night last night too. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Academy Sports and Outdoors, I can't emphasize enough to you, was very, very popular in Eugene, Oregon this weekend, which is interesting because they don't exactly have a location every street corner in the greater Eugene area. But we've got fans on every street corner in Eugene, and they know Academy Sports and Outdoors there, and they have the internet. So Academy.com works just fine 
in Portland, Eugene, Bend, everywhere I was this weekend. And they make it possible for us to go places like that. They make it possible for us to have this show presented to you free of charge. And they make it possible for you to actually gear up with stuff you need. And I know I say this every week, but that's because it's true every week. And it's also true that they are our exclusive partner. We don't have five of them. You know, Colin does not take these screens behind me and split them up into quadrants and have four brands. It's just one brand. Just that big blue Academy Sports and Outdoors. Why? Because they stepped up to the plate so close. They hugged that plate so tight, no one else can even get in the box. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you guys supporting them because we constantly get the feedback from you and we constantly get the feedback from them. If you need, let's just be honest, pretty much anything in life at this point, Academy Sports and Outdoors. If you can't get there in person, academy.com. <clears throat> I'm looking very, very forward to this next segment. It is, it's, a, it's truly amazing what adrenaline will do for you uh, because we have, we have really lived an unhealthy lifestyle over the past few days. I mean, we... Flew back this morning at some point uh, from Portland. Got a workout in. So good for us. Pat ourselves on the back. But we were, and Colin, this is your end point. The Every Given Saturday Tour was in Oregon. First time ever in Eugene, in Autzen Stadium for UCLA versus Oregon yesterday. And I got some advice. Some fresh, newly discovered advice for any of you out there who are listening to Pac-12 criticism. Just don't. Just don't. Take it from someone who's been out there. Ignore the folks who haven't been out there. I grew up, as some of you did, in the rural South. Some of you grew up in the mid-Atlantic states. Some of you grew up in Texas. But a lot of you who fit those descriptions, you haven't been out West to take in the football experience. And so you just draw conclusions based on what you see on TV. Sometimes it's valid. I'm not here lionizing the conference as a whole. I'm telling you there are places out there that if you walk into them and you close your eyes, they're indistinguishable from some of the great cathedrals that we're in a lot in the South. Autzen Stadium is one of them. Finally got to experience it yesterday. Only heard stories up until that point. And I can tell you what blew me away was, number one, you had a crowd of a little over 59,000 there yesterday, which is the fourth largest in the history of Oregon football. Forget the numbers for a second, because a lot of you would poo-poo that number. Forget about it. Stand on the sideline, if you can, stand on the sideline like I did, just close your eyes on third down. You wouldn't be able to tell if it's 59,000 or 89,000. Quite frankly, that place outdoes a lot of venues that have 30 or 40K more in that capacity number than Autzen Stadium does. They told me about it, I had to see it for myself, I saw it for myself, very legitimate. But what blew me away even more was I have never been to the state I've never been to the venue. I've never been to the city. We got recognized in Eugene every bit as much as we would get recognized in Tuscaloosa or Athens or Auburn, the places I grew up, which is a testament to you guys spreading the show from regionally to nationwide. So personally, I appreciate that, but we also had a really noteworthy football game that happened yesterday. And Mima famously said, foolish men draw conclusions in week one Wise men make observations in week one. And I don't want to call folks foolish, but I know good and well some of you punted wholesale on Dan Lanning and that new coaching staff at Oregon when you saw what happened in week one against Georgia. And maybe, just maybe yesterday, is the first time you've really chosen to pay attention to them since then. It's a different looking team, isn't it? It's really, it's really crazy what happens 
if you give up on them, but they don't give up on themselves and they just get to work quietly over here in the corner for a little while, it's wild what can happen over the span of about a month and a half in this sport. They've played credible opponents since then. They've been against Brigham Young. They went on the road at Washington State. They played UCLA yesterday, most recently, and won 45 to 30. I am blown away, third time I've said that this segment already, with the performance of Bo Nix, not just yesterday, although yesterday is about as good as you've seen him, but Bo Nix in general is one of the best stories in college football this year. And take it from someone who watched him through high school, certainly watched him at Auburn, and now I'm watching him, and it says Nix on the back of his jersey, but brother, the stat sheet does not indicate that that's the same human being. It is, though. As I've said about Hendon Hooker, as I am saying about Bo Nix, and as I would say about anywhere between half a dozen and a dozen other quarterbacks out there fully capable of doing big things, but who may find themselves in a less than desirable situation, sometimes a change of scenery is all it takes. Sometimes being paired with the right staff, the right supporting cast, the right offensive coordinator, the right head coach, the right culture is all it takes. There's nothing monumental they've changed about Bo Nix. Even if you get guys who really know ball at a granular level, if we got Kenny Dillingham in here and we sat him down, the offensive coordinator there at Oregon, and I said, Kenny, lay out all the differences. Lay out what you fundamentally changed about Bo Nix. There wouldn't be a laundry list of things that they broke him down and rebuilt from the ground up. What they've done is they've put him in a position where he does not get assaulted every other play by defensive linemen. They've put very, very good receivers out wide. Troy Franklin is an emerging star nationally. They've got a culture that he can improve and develop in, which I would argue he never had at Auburn. And lastly, they've got a supremely talented player, which Knicks always was. It, it kind of boggled the minds of people like me in the South who watched him in high school, even in a less than desirable position at Auburn, that he was never better than he was. But his mobility at quarterback is something that makes them really dangerous, even on third down. I think you saw it a couple of times yesterday. They took UCLA and they broke their back. In the early portion of the third quarter, Oregon went on a drive. Uh, I mentioned Meemaw earlier. Peepaw would have very much appreciated that 15-play, 82-yard, seven-and-a-half-minute drive. They threw the ball a grand total of three times. They lined up in I-formation multiple times, and they basically, I think, announced to the rest of the world that doesn't know a whole heck of a lot about Oregon football right now, you know that we got flashy jerseys. You know we got a guy who can sling it here. Here's what else we can do. And what else they can do makes them very versatile. It makes them very multiple. And it does not make them an easy out. When you describe Oregon, in other words, there's not one thing. If we stop that one thing, they'll just do something else. And so it was impressive to watch him yesterday, but there was a false padlock stat here. Very false padlock stat. Imagine I'm down in Westwood Friday, and I knock on Chip Kelly's office door. And he says, come in. He says, I spoke to Chip Kelly briefly before the game yesterday fascinating quote he gave me. I'm going to keep it to myself. Fascinating quote. But that's for another time. That's probably a, a January or February story. But I knock on Chip Kelly's door. He says, come in. What if I were to tell him, coach, you will not punt all day tomorrow. You will not have to punt the ball a single time. He would have invested every dollar they're paying him. It's illegal to do so. So in fantasy world, he would have bet every dime he has on Bruins, straight up, Bruins money line. Why? Because it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? UCLA did not punt yesterday. 
UCLA was essentially done by the start of the fourth quarter in this game. And the reason is because Oregon was that good offensively. They have scored 40-plus points for the sixth consecutive game. That's the first time they've done that since 2014. It's back when they were a national championship contender every year. I don't think there's anything lost here for UCLA. Okay, It was not... It was not a back-and-forth instant classic down to the wire. It wasn't the game that some of us were hoping for just in terms of pure spectacle and entertainment value. But look at their schedule. This is a one-loss team now. This is the byproduct of taking care of business and beating Washington and beating Utah. You can afford to go to Eugene. It's the toughest place by a mile they'll play all year. You can afford to go up there and lose. Why? Because you got Stanford at Arizona State, Arizona USC, the 19th, is going to be a great game. And then they go to Cal at the end of the year. They can win every one of those games. They're still right in the thick of the Pac-12 championship race. Another thing that I was just thinking yesterday, I talked to some people about this today. You know, there's a lot of talk about job openings. There's a lot of talk about that Auburn job, since I just mentioned them. Why wouldn't you call Chip Kelly? I know some of you just recoiled at that. I want to know why. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not telling you I have information on this. I'm saying I am presenting the idea. Why don't you call Chip Kelly? All these names that are unproven, all these names you don't know anything about, you know about Chip Kelly. Why wouldn't you call him? If you, if you think that you can get him a great staff, if you think that you can equip him with the resources to recruit the right way, why not Chip Kelly? It's a known commodity. I, I will very much look forward to the detractors, and I know there are going to be a lot of them, I just want you to give me the reasons why. Why not, Chip Kelly? What a stretch coming up, though, in the Pac-12. There's really good football being played out there, guys. I, I, look, I, I grew up in Forts in Georgia. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just telling you, there, there's, some, there's some really entertaining stuff happening out there. And you've got now, Jesse, do we have the updated odds? I don't even know. You may have showed it already. There are the updated odds to win the Pac-12 championship. Oregon is now favored to win the Pac-12 championship. They are plus 25, and USC next up at plus 250. They do not play in the regular season. UCLA is now third. They do play USC in the regular season. And Utah is fourth at plus 400. They, I believe, play Oregon in the regular season. Do they, Jesse? Do they? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Boy, I'm calling up a lot of things that I didn't tell them I was going to call up. Okay, they don't have it. Okay, so there's a 50-50 shot that they play them. How about that? I think... I think they do. Yeah, they go up there and play them. Okay, so there's still a lot to be sorted out out there. Um, I'm just telling you, there are, there are a lot of new hires out there. And there are a lot of mixed results out there. I think Oregon nailed their hire. Not just with Lanning. I, I think they got a really, really good collection of folks out there. And I think that this is not a mirage. I don't think this is year one. You're doing it with someone else's players, that stuff. We've seen that before. I don't think that's what this is. So I would very much keep my eye on that team. You, you, you probably cast the mold for him a little bit too early. I was guilty of that too. I watched week one just like everyone else. I didn't predict this, but they got right back to work, man. They didn't let that phase them. It wasn't even a, a little learning curve period where they struggled. They just they took their beating, and now they're, they're handing them out. And that's Oregon football right now. So it's been really, really fun to watch. Uh, we had a great time out there. Great time. Uh, we'll be back again. We'll be back. Next up. <laughs> What happened in Baton Rouge yesterday? Ole Miss has a 17-3 lead over LSU. These are facts. This is, this is let the record show. Ole Miss had a 17-3 lead over LSU. I know because I saw it on the iJosh. 
I then did this, set it down, okay? So you can imagine my surprise when I see the final score and I think, wait a second, is that the wrong year? What was it, 2018? What was that, 2019? Nope. In the year of our Lord, 2022, LSU proceeded to go on a death march, 42-3 run, to close out Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss yesterday. LSU essentially watched our preview video where, true enough, we did predict the Tigers to win the game and they proceeded to ignore every key that we discussed. Remember how imperative it was to not let Ole Miss get off to one of those fast starts like they had? Ole Miss had grabbed the lead in every game so far this year. Well, they did again. Remember how pivotal it was going to be for LSU not to fall way behind? Well, they did. And then they realized, I don't think it matters. I, I think that now's the time. You know, we got, we got guys like Harold Perkins on the bench. Why don't we just play him? You know, Lane Kiffin's worst nightmare, apparently, if you listen to him in the postgame, he said, they played, they played Perkins. There's no one else out there quite like him. I didn't like that they put him on the field. This was crazy. This was really, really a, a night and day difference. But one of the concerns I had for Ole Miss and one of the reasons we talked about last week that went behind me kind of leaning LSU, it wasn't some huge, like, best bet of the year or anything like that. But one of the reasons I really liked LSU is you can either get married to what team's records are or you can pay more attention to matchups. And in our world, we like to pay attention to the matchups. And one of the things, it's not their fault, but one of the things that Ole Miss had not been able to do is they hadn't been able to go into a tough road environment yet. It had been Georgia Tech and Vandy. And the other thing is they had not been exposed to high-level athleticism in anyone's defensive front. Even Kentucky did not really present the kind of athlete across the board that LSU did. And then they throw Harold Perkins in the mix. I mean, imagine if, imagine if Mason Smith was still healthy for LSU. They lost him in week one. Kind of frightening to think about now when you see the result elsewhere. Uh, Jackson Dart ended up looking like a deer in eight-lane traffic yesterday. I looked at the final stat sheet. I saw the amount of quarterback hurries they claim LSU had. I would double it. He was running for his life. There were grass stains on top of his grass stains yesterday. Uh, it was stunning that they were even able to function, and really after the first half, they weren't able to function. Is this, is this Jaden Daniels? What we saw yesterday, what we've seen the past two weeks really, is that LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels? Because if it is, friends, first thing I'd like to do is rewind to week one and play the season out with this version of LSU. I don't think they'd have a loss yet. Now, the second thing is, he's put up 11 touchdowns the past two weeks. He's decisive. He's aggressive. There's no second guessing. He, he's not deer in headlights at all. He doesn't look like he's taking a split second to process things. He's not thinking. He's just reacting. In other words, when we go back to fall camp, remember it was Miles Brennan and it was Garrett Nussmeyer and it was Jaden Daniels. Every one of them have their strengths. Every one of them have their flaws. If Kelly goes with Jaden Daniels, you're just going to have to suck it up and understand that there may be a little inconsistency, there may be a little hesitancy. Well, there was early, not now. Look at, look at the numbers yesterday. 21 of 28, he had 248 through the air. He had another 121 on the ground, just five touchdowns. No big deal to go along with six last week. I mean, some guys are starting in this league and won't do that in the month of October. Uh, some of them won't do it in the month of October and November combined. And there goes Jaden Daniels. Playing really good ball. And here's the good news. I know this updates week by week, but as of now, let's, let's write this down. So here we are, Sunday, October 23rd. Brian Kelly 
is a good fit at LSU. Now, we got a bye week, so that won't change. Now, if he loses against Bama, he probably won't be a good fit anymore, and then we'll just have to wait. Does he go to Arkansas, and do they win? If he does, he's probably a good fit again, and they'll probably beat UAB, and then he'll go to Texas A&M. So it's just a week-by-week thing. You know, these massive, overarching 50,000-foot bits of opinion are changing week to week. So right now, yeah, Brian Kelly, forget about the accents, forget about whether he can or can't recruit. He is a good fit. And that's all we know. You know, those sorts of things change every week. No, they don't. I found out last week, not everyone picks up on the sarcasm of the show. No, no, no. We are very much speaking tongue-in-cheek. Brian Kelly, uh, we're, we're believers. We always have been on this show. Bama LSU in two weeks looks a little bit more enticing, doesn't it, friends? You know what also happens that day? Tennessee, Georgia. Let me, let me repeat for those of you in the back, or for those of you irresponsibly daydreaming when you're listening to the podcast version tomorrow. Bama at LSU, Tennessee at Georgia, same day. Same day. So if they tell you that a down week is upon us in college football, number one, take your casual stamp and hit them on the forehead with it. But then number two, after you've stamped them accordingly, because we have to out these people, tell them, show up next week, buddy, because we got, we got a double dose in the SEC alone next week. The odds to win the SEC championship, it's Georgia minus 125, it's Bama plus 150, and it, it, listen, if you believe in the Vols, you got them at plus 500 odds there to win not to make it to win the SEC championship. I want to ask you one more thing. I don't know if you showed it already, Colin. Could you show Ole Miss's schedule uh, one more time, I guess, if you already did? Interesting times here. They've got a loss they're coming off of yesterday. So they're 7-1. and one. They're, they're unbeaten no more. Here is the remainder of their schedule. Remember how their over-under win total was 7.5, and, and I took the under on it. Allegedly, because I'm an Ole Miss hater, it's news to me every time I hear it, but whatever. So we got Ole Miss at 7-1, and one. and this was always the draw. It was they were going to start fast, inevitably, and then they're going to get to this really, really steep grade. Do they build up enough speed where they can work their way up that thing a little bit? Well, they lost to LSU. They go to Texas A&M this week. They are an early three-point favorite at Texas A&M. They got Bama at home the next week. They go to Arkansas the week after that. And they've got Mississippi State at home in the Egg Bowl to end things. All of those are losable. So, I mean, you could see this, this horrific slide at the end of the year, start 7-0, finish 0-6. It's unlikely, I grant you that. But that's, that's always been the nature, and, and we were eventually going to get to this part. This is the deep end in scheduling. That's what they call the deep end. They're watching us in Maryville, in Illinois. They're watching us in Raleigh, North Carolina, and they are absolutely watching us in Knoxville, Tennessee. Thank you so much. In honor of our friends on Rocky Top, I've got the orange liquid in the chalice. Mm. Chalice, because it's only one, not the plural. Elsewhere in our great land yesterday, Oklahoma State beat Texas 41 to 34. You know what it's time to do. I told you no, no feelings were going to get spared tonight, and that includes my own. But you see, it's not my fault. If you take nothing else from the show when it comes to me picking Texas to win the game, I want you to remember, it's not my fault. Don't blame me. I want all of the credit, but I'm not interested in any of the blame. The model, the, the, the ignorant, 
foolish, know-nothing model that I hold in my hand suggested to you, oh, there's a new Texas, you know? There's, a, there's a Quinn Ewers. He's going to take this team to the promised land. It's a fresh outlook. Forget all that, okay? I, this is me talking to you now. The model knows nothing. I am in charge. We're going to put the model over here. I just muted the model, and let's talk amongst ourselves. Earmuffs model. Uh, that looked like the same Texas to me. Did it look like the same Texas to you? They had nine, well, look at the, so, so I don't know which padlock stat you want to start with, Jess. Look, let's just go with a quartet. The, the ultra rare quartet of padlock stats. One, two, three, four paper pops here. Pick which one matters the most to you. Texas had 14 penalties for 119 yards. Oklahoma State, zero. You know how long they've played football in Stillwater? I don't either. Probably a pretty long time, right? They have never had a penalty-free afternoon or evening or night, and yet they did yesterday. First game with zero penalties in program history. More on that later. Quinn Ewers, 38.8% completion percentage. Just your casual 19 of 49 day. No big deal. Texas was 3 of 17 on third down. No bueno. Oklahoma State ran 98 plays yesterday. I don't know which one of those signifies the most to you that Oklahoma State probably won that game. A bunch of padlock stats. But I hear some of you. I hear some of you out there. You're, you're complaining right now. And, and if I know you like I think I do, you're probably saying something like, why can't you get more specific with these padlock stats? Why does it always have to be an entire game? You want a second half padlock stat, friend? How about this one? Texas in the second half. I'm going to channel my inner Dan Rubenstein here. Solid verbal podcast. Check it out. Punt, punt, punt. Field goal, punt, punt. Missed field goal. Interception, interception, end of game. That second half's not winning you many ballgames in the Big 12 or elsewhere. Thank you, Daniel. Spencer Sanders had a really good day yesterday. Because keep in mind, that's the quarterback at Oklahoma State. Spencer Sanders is coming off the worst statistical performance of his career because he had a bum shoulder. I mean, he's dragging a peg shoulder around. Kind of throwing like that right there. Uh, yesterday, though, 34-57, 391, two touchdowns and a pick. It's, it's not getting you to New York City. When you consider the ramifications, though, that's a stellar afternoon. Uh, because first off, he, he, it's good that he's playing, and especially good that he's putting up numbers like that. Oklahoma State should not be a surprise. I didn't pick him to win yesterday. That's on me. I don't need to be doubting Mike Gundy. All Mike Gundy's doing right now, all Oklahoma State's doing right now, is what they do every year. And that is watch everyone else get preseason praise and look at everyone but them adorn the preseason magazines and then beat everyone on the front of the magazine when it comes time to play actual football. And now here they are. They are a one-loss team. They go to Kansas State this week. That game is going to be a great game. It's got currently, depending on where you look, either a one-point spread or a pick'em. So that's the kind of seesaw affair that we may have there in Manhattan, Kansas. I am just, I'm taken with the Big 12 right now. And the if you want to call it competitive balance, that's fine. Just the competitive nature of the conference in general. The odds to win the Big 12 championship, updated, up to the minute. This may surprise some of you. TCU plus 115, they're not a surprise. Texas is still the second odds on favorite to win the Big 12 at plus 250. Oklahoma State is third at plus 300. And Kansas State is fourth at plus 800. 
So we're starting to see some filtering out. Baylor is falling by the wayside a little bit. Texas Tech's falling by the wayside. But Texas right now is a three and two team. There are three teams ahead of them in the conference standings. In other words, if the season ended today, they wouldn't be in the Big 12 championship game, and yet they're still the second odds on favorite to win the conference. Just fascinating times in the Big 12. Um, let's see which way I want to go here. Huh, okay. So, uh, Colin, don't put any of this. Don't put any of this in the individual video. Okay, I see where I am now. I need to react to Clemson. I, I know I need to react to Clemson, so let's do it here. Clemson beat Syracuse yesterday, 27 to 21. I got a bunch of texts from people saying that this was an indictment on Clemson, and now they've been exposed. You know the drill, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't their best effort. That's the whole point. We were wondering aloud on the, if you watch this show, you know I've been wondering for about the past two or three weeks, when is that C-plus game coming? Because they've put forth a string of, of B-plus or better efforts. It started with the, what was it? I guess it was the Wake Forest game. They played the NC State game. They went to Boston College. They went to Florida State. And then they had Syracuse coming in there. And they, they just weren't going to keep playing at that level. It was coming eventually. Well, it came yesterday. They benched DJ Uyangalale in this game, for those of you who didn't see it. Cade Klubnik came in. So what we talked about in the preseason did end up happening yesterday. And I'm going to talk about that more in just a second. But this is the 38th straight home victory. That's the headline. Clemson found a way to win. Was it pretty? Absolutely not. Were there questionable officiating decisions? There are in every college football game nowadays. I, I, don't, I do not watch a single replay now without at least one egregious officiating decision. But here's a padlock stat for you. For all of, here we go, there we go. For all of the, the moaning and gnashing of teeth around Clemson and their inadequacies yesterday, they turned the ball over four times. That's not good, right? That's not the padlock stat. The padlock stat is Syracuse generated a grand total of one touchdown, seven points if you count the extra point, off of those four turnovers you should on average be around four and a half points, averaging four and a half points per turnover, which means you should be around 18 points netted if you turn the ball over or force four of them. And that's just not what happened yesterday. This is where dynamic players win you games. Will Shipley for Clemson is a dynamic player. And he had a career day yesterday. 172 on the ground, that's a career high. Had two touchdowns. He won the game for him. Not single-handedly, but when things were not going right, when you're benching a quarterback, you bring Klubnik in, I think he threw like four passes, Will Shipley took the game over when it had to be taken over. Now, I mentioned DJ got benched in the game. I know some of you already saw it, and maybe some of you saw the sound I'm about to play. I got to tell you something. He is 19 or 20 years old, DJ Uyangalale. He's starting quarterback for Clemson. I'm going to go ahead and tell you before we play this clip, this was Dabo Swinney after the game. As far as DJ goes, DJ's our starter. He's our leader. Nothing's changed there. So he got yanked out of this game, and the true freshman got put in because he wasn't good enough yesterday, and they wanted to try something different because they were trying to win the game. Now, that affects people many different ways. How did it affect DJ Uyangalale? If you're 40, 50, 60 years old, I want you to listen to what's about to be said. Pretend that you're just reading these words off a piece of paper, though. How old would you think this person is? And then remember, when you're actually listening to this, 
This is a college kid talking, sounding like someone well beyond his years. Roll it, Colin. At the end of the day for me, man, stats isn't everything. My main number one stat is to win and lose. And today we got a W by K going out there and get a W. And that's Coach Sweeney's number one job is we have, we have 135 guys on this team. And for the, at the end of the day, his responsibility is the team, not me. And for Coach Sweeney to go out there and make that decision, I mean, that's the number one decision to make. And I appreciate K for going out there and getting a W. I appreciate Coach Sweeney for making that change. And I appreciate everyone on the team for rallying and making getting this W. I mean, that was a hard fought game. Offensive line stepped up, receivers played great, running back, should be had an amazing game. Same thing with Mafa and defense. I would they have five sacks today. So it was an unbelievable game overall. Yeah, that's Pate State material. He's he's more well spoken than half the coaches that we hear from after games. I mean, that's a measured kid. Knows the full scope of the game, knows the whole full scope of the team, and that's genuine. He's not reading off a cue card, guys. That's just him talking after the game. And that's also someone who's heard the noise all year. So this isn't something that snuck up out of nowhere. Uh, I, I've talked about it on this show. I told you in the preseason. I thought there was coming a day where he was going to get pulled out of that game. Didn't know which one. And I thought that eventually it was going to be K Klubnik's team. Well, part of that happened yesterday. So that's been a little quiet drumbeat. He, he's not ignorant to that. He's not immune to hearing that. And so that's how he handled himself. I wanted to present that to you. Because that's how a grown man handles his business. That's how an adult handles his business. And this is college football. So it's not always like that. Again, to reiterate, he is still the starting quarterback there. Dabo said, as far as DJ goes, he's our starter. He's our leader. Nothing's changed there. You want to know what else can, can really give you the freedom to have an off day offensively? Well, it's called defense. And yesterday, they had five sacks and nine tackles for loss which is just kind of, that's the MO for Clemson now. They held Syracuse to 119 yards. They pitched a shutout in the second half. 119 and a shutout in the second half. I'm a believer that this was not a bad day for Clemson football. I'm a believer they'll be better for having gone through what they went through yesterday because here's how I look at it. Okay, you, you could say all you want to, if that team shows up to play Georgia in a semifinal game, they'll get beat. Well, that team won't show up to play Georgia in a semifinal game. Because you're not going to get Clemson's C-plus effort in a high-profile game where you got three or four weeks to prepare. That's not realistic, guys. You know that. Nor are you going to get Georgia's effort against Missouri if they played in a semifinal game. You know how this stuff works. You know when those teams get to postseason play. You get whatever the best version of them is. You didn't get Clemson's best version yesterday. But what does happen is some of the mortar that fits between the bricks on that team that you call players... The difference between individuals and a team, that coalescing, that gelling, a lot of it is a result of going through stuff like they went through yesterday. They're not supposed to win that game. They're supposed to lose that game. And they ended up pulling it out. And, and sure as we sit here, later in the year, they'll be in a dogfight with someone, maybe in the ACC title game, maybe in a, a playoff game, maybe they're in the national championship. Stuff that happened yesterday that they survived will end up benefiting them. So that's not the worst thing in the world. You never want to be in those situations, of course. You want to blow everyone out. But after you've gone through it, Dabo Swinney probably drove home yesterday and knew that he had a lot to correct. That's fun. That's the challenge of being a coach. But he also probably had a little smile at some point and understood, we dodged one today. We found a way. It's nice to know we can do that. Updated odds to win the ACC. It is still Clemson and North Carolina 1-2, a lot of distance between them. But then, should be noted, there's a lot of distance between North Carolina and Wake and Syracuse, who are 3-4. and four. 
I cannot emphasize in strong enough terms how far off the cliff we are about to jump with the next segment. We're going to stay in the ACC for a second. Duke played a game yesterday. Miami kind of showed up as well. At least uniforms were out there. Duke ran all over Miami, 45 to 21. I mean, they literally did. The rushing totals, if you want to get literal, 200 to 48. Miami carried it 31 times, 48 yards. Uh, that's, that's its own little padlock stat. Anyone who understands what happened yesterday will be my guest. Please explain it to me because I'm dumbfounded. But anyone who has taken a glance at this box score, please don't watch the game. You're looking at it on your screen. There is a number that is highlighted, and it's not a typo. We double-checked it. We triple-checked it. Miami turned the ball over eight times. Not in September. Not in the 2022 season. In one afternoon against Duke. I watched this game somewhere high above Wyoming early this morning on my flight back, and I could not believe it. I thought it was a parody video. I thought it was someone having fun with an editing tool on YouTube. And it was the real game. I could not believe it. What do you say? It's the first thing I said when I landed. I tweeted out, "What I'm supposed to talk about Miami tonight. What do I even say? It, cut the turnovers in half and that's a bad day. They turned it over eight times, guys. There were, there were periods, you Miami fans know this. God bless you if you stayed tuned in the whole time. There were periods in the second half, Jake Garcia was in the game because Van Dyke got knocked out. There were times multiple times, where Garcia threw a pick, it just didn't even look like real football. It looked like if you and I were in the backyard and you were, you were trying a different way to throw a spiral or, or you're just seeing if you could throw it that distance and you just keep throwing it to the other guy and you say, oh, oh well, it's not a real game. That's kind of how that felt, only it was a real game. Duke's guys are running it back. You're watching right now on YouTube. This doesn't even look like real football. It doesn't look like the effort being put forth is being put forth knowing that these results count. And who's that an indictment on? Everyone. It's not just coaches. you got to have pride as a player, too. Everybody's trying to figure out, Wait, who do I blame? Is it a Mario thing? Is it the entire coaching staff? Uh, well, of course it is. Uh, but it's, it's a player thing, too. I, I would assume that there are a lot of things that have been coached into those guys that they're not executing on. So... At some point, you can beat your head against a wall all you want to. If the wall is a wall, you may just have a lost cause. This season, I think, is, is now sort of feels like a lost cause for Miami. Not the program, not the future, but th this is not the last time this is going to happen. And what sucks is the last couple of weeks, they had shown signs. They lost to North Carolina close, and then they won last week against Virginia Tech. They showed signs. Uh, man, yesterday, yesterday was a sign too. It's just not a sign of anything you want. I listened to Cristobal in the postgame. Kind of sounded like Fisher, only he's in a little more dire situation because his roster is not as loaded. I've tried everything I know what it to do, and it's, it's not working. And this was talked about, remember he talked about it in fall camp. Talked about cutting some practices short because the standard of performance wasn't where it needed to be. Well, it turns out those should have been red flags. He wasn't lying to you. He was serious. The, the team is bad right now. The effort's bad. The results are bad. To me, we, we, we start to transition more from talking about what can Miami do this year to is this year isolated? Kind of like Oklahoma. You, you've watched some bad results with Oklahoma. Okay, year one staff, is it isolated? 
or, or is there a carryover effect? Are we just seeing Brent Venables? Are we seeing Mario Cristobal? Is this what we should expect? Well, if it is, you won't have that experiment going on too awful long. Now, I don't think certainly that this is just a disaster of a hire. I don't think that. I know a lot of people are going worst case. I don't think that. Um, I think they'll get things right eventually. Now, it's fair to ask, even if it's right, how high a level can we operate at? That's, that's a whole other conversation. It's fair to say that. But they've lost three consecutive home games now. That's the first time that's happened since 2007. So it, it, is, it is not a good time down there right now. And I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just talked a few minutes. I don't know what to say. I don't even know how you, how you do an analysis of that because it's so off the scope of what a normal football game would be or even an extraordinary football game would be. You turn the ball over eight times, you're not a serious football team. That's not a serious performance. I don't even take that serious. I laugh at it, which is a shame because that program and that logo should mean a whole heck of a lot more than just giving you a good laugh. I laugh at it and I move on and hope when I come back it looks different one day. Some more games yesterday I wanted to go over right quick, including a very controversial take from producer Jesse. Penn State beat uh, Minnesota yesterday. That's not a surprise. We thought that they would roll in that game. They won 45-17. to Tanner Morgan was out, so you, you got the quarterback out for Minnesota. And while Mo Ibrahim did run it for over 100 yards, it was Michigan's offensive line that destroyed Penn State the week before. Minnesota didn't have the kind of offensive line that was going to do that. And so this was what it was. Season high for Sean Clifford, 295 passing yards. I, I love that, you know, and Sean I trust, but not everyone in this building does. And producer Jesse thinks that just because he attended this prestigious university, and the closest I come to being able to say that is wearing a white T-shirt, that his word means more than mine. And he thinks that this game was fool's gold. And you know what? If he's right, we won't have to wait too awful long because they play Ohio State this Saturday. Uh, Penn State, you want to guess the point spread? Penn State opens as a 15-and-a-half point dog at home. Have at it. We will announce the Every Given Saturday Tour in just a few minutes. Certainly that one's on the radar. Next up, TCU. Third, this one was crazy. I got fooled by this one. TCU 38, Kansas State 28. I was checking scores, as you do. Because I'm at a game, and so I see Kansas State, my favorite pick of the week. Kansas State's up 28 to 10. And I'm, th I'm thinking to myself, first off, oh, you're so smart. Man, you're, you're on top of things. And I knew it. I knew this was the week that TCU fell off. And then I saw that final score. And I realized once Kansas State got to 28, they, they meant that they were done scoring. And so at that point, it was TCU on a 28-0 run to close the game. And sure enough, they win it. They win it. They cover. And Kansas State lost Adrian Martinez in this game. Jesse, what's the number? How many starting quarterbacks has TCU knocked out this year? They've knocked out four starting quarterbacks. Who do they think they are? Like, what gives them the right to not? Mm. It sure is effective if you want to win football games, though. TCU was 10 of 19 on third down. K-State was 3 of 9 on third down. Uh, the Horned Frogs are undefeated. And now they played Tarleton this year. I didn't even know that. So now they've got at West Virginia this week. They got Texas Tech the following week. They go to Texas. They go to Baylor, Iowa State. You start to think, don't you? you start, no, let's not be irresponsible. But you start to think. You really do. How about Bama? I don't think many of you watched them against Mississippi State. 
pretty boring game. Uh, don't worry, we watched it so you don't have to, but boy, do I have some sound coming up. I mean some sound that will blow your mind. If you didn't watch this game, I'm guessing you did not watch Mike Leach's post-game press conference. I, I did twice already, and I still can't make much sense of it. I do want to tell you something first before we roll this audio. I'm telling you, it's some of the most bizarre audio. Even by Mike Leach standards, it is some of the most bizarre and out there audio that you will hear. It's like Ryan in the office. I've seen it. Even for the internet, it's pretty shocking. Uh, this was one of the more predictable results, I thought, that we were going to get. I told you Sunday night. I told you a week ago. Bama's going to drag Mississippi State. It's a horrific matchup. Uh, and, but at the same time, offense wasn't necessarily going to click uh, because they, they sit there and they play 3-3-5 against Bama all night, which is specifically designed to do a couple of things. You're not getting anything over the top. And anytime you try and run the ball, we got six right there to commit. So we got a numbers advantage or we can match your numbers and you're just, you're just not going to do anything. And it's crazy. It is the, it is like, I mean, I was talking to Tim Watts about it earlier today. He said, it's the closest thing to watching a quarterback play seven on seven football that you'll find because every play is broken. You go back and watch this. You count how many yards Bama got off of executing the play that was called. It never happens. It's play breaks down. Bryce has got 14 and a half seconds with which to carry the ball around. And so he improvises. He runs all around and plays hero ball. And voila. Oh, look, JoJo Earl is sitting Indian style. Crisscross applesauce, as one of my friends in New Orleans would say, in the end zone. They won 30 to 6. They had a shutout until the very end of the game. Uh, but that's not the takeaway. Okay, they go into the bye week. They got LSU coming up. That's not the takeaway. Shockingly, the takeaway for me was I'm, I'm listening to Mike Leach, just doing my due diligence, and I say, hold up, what did he just say? And I rewind, and I thought to myself, I don't know what I'm listening to. I'm going to let you guys listen to this. This is Mike Leach after his team loses to Alabama. Make sense of this if you can. I, I didn't think we played well. I didn't, you know, I didn't think we played well at all. I'll tell you one thing that they do that gives us trouble. We've got some guys that are afraid of the jer uh, jersey that says Alabama on it. We spent a lot of time frightened of their jerseys. You know, you you want to you want to you want to scare some of the guys on our team. Put an Alabama jersey on; it'll scare the hell out of them. They're more they're more physical. They use their hands better than we did. They use their are their hands better. They shoved us around. Uh, the first half we just took it. Uh, the second half, we battled back a little, but it was kind of disjointed and feeble. We didn't, we didn't execute because, I mean, you start out in a game, you got to say 60 minutes, so then you spend 30 of it trying to reconcile. Um, they have a red jersey that says Alabama, so we're going to go ahead and be scared and timid of it. Um, well, I think we've got to use our hands better. I mean, if you were to say one thing, use our hands better. Uh, we don't move our hands. We, we don't move our hands very, very good. If you don't use a certain part of your body, uh, as time evolves over, you know, century upon century, uh, in natural selection, uh, that part of the body disappears, and even that animal might disappear. And um, and I'm genuinely fearful that on our team, if, if, if me and the other coaches don't get them right, um, <clears throat> that about a generation from now, um, their kids and their grandkids won't have hands. You know, because, 
um, you know, for, from a lack of use, those ants just disappear. I mean, and, and maybe it'll be like this, like those dinosaur ants like this are, you see. I was getting texts last night. To give you guys an idea of the configuration of Bryant-Denny Stadium, if you're a photographer or you shoot video, they have a room for you in, I think it would be the south end zone. And it's the same room that the opposing coach does his post-game media press conference in. So there are a lot of photogs in there that aren't attending the press conference. They're just listening. And one of those trusty photogs was texting me last night saying, I know you're not listening to this live. You're going to want to take a listen to Mike Leach's press conference. He's got one going right now, the likes of which I've never heard. That was Mike Leach, Mississippi State head football coach. We move on. Ohio State just toyed with Iowa. This was sad to watch. This was the Sarah McLaughlin special. This was the body bagging special of Saturday. 54 to 10. It was like watching lions toy with a wounded gazelle for about 10 or 15 minutes, knowing all the while, as we do, the problem is the lions are eventually going to decide it's time to eat. And when it was time to eat, boy, did Ohio State eat. One of 13 was Iowa on third down. They had six turnovers. The only good thing, the only saving grace for Iowa was Miami existed yesterday because they turned it over half a dozen times. Miami, of course, beat them and turned it over eight times. They are not going to be challenged in conference play. They're just not. Can, can I see Ohio State's schedule? I, by the way, you know me. I just did a segment on this. I, I'm not questioning them at all. They're, I've got them rated number one in the country right now. But they're going to go to Penn State this week. So you, you think about what I just said, because if I'm going to eat those words, it's probably this week, right? They're 15 and a half point favorites on the road. So that's with home field baked in. They're 15 and a half point favorites at Penn State. I have concerns. And then they got Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland. And then when I say they're not going to be tested in conference play, I mean until the end of the season. And we've already got that big showdown against Michigan looming. But whew, that, was, that was one that... I mean, as soon as you see Ohio State crack double digits on the scoreboard, you know it's probably over. They can probably do whatever they want to. We ended up taking Ohio State on, on Friday night lines at minus 30. I said that number's still not big enough. We added them as a best bet. Colin, is it time right now? It's time. It's past time, actually. I skipped it. They've, they've been telling me for about 20 minutes. Announce the tour destination. The Ever Given Saturday tour is fresh off a trip to Autzen Stadium. Great experience, phenomenal experience. First time ever, Pac-12 paint, first time ever. Where are we going to go this week? Well, we got, a, we got a slate in front of us. We got Ohio State at Penn State. That's the noon, that's big noon kickoff on Fox. We got Georgia, Florida, been to that game many times, but the Every Given Saturday Tour or the Renaissance Tour has not been there. That's down in Jacksonville. We got Oklahoma State on the road to face Kansas State and in our very state here, the very state with which we reside or in which we reside. We got Kentucky at Tennessee, and that's a 7 o'clock kickoff. So where are we going to go? Well, I thought to myself, what are the criteria? We want to get to places we haven't been. We want to see teams we haven't seen. We want to be in the most competitive environments. We want to see the best games. And with that in mind, we filtered it out, and there was only one candidate. I have not seen Mike Gundy play a game in person in my life, and it's time that that ends. I have not been to Manhattan, Kansas in my life, and it's time that ends. 
The Every Given Saturday Tour is headed to the Big 12. Big 12 pay is born this week. Oklahoma State at Kansas State. Uh, unbeknownst to me, we actually have B-roll of Manhattan, Kansas here. Hey, I grew up a small youth in Georgia, but even I had immense respect for Bill Snyder. And so the chance to go to Bill Snyder Family Stadium and the chance to see a matchup, maybe two of the three best teams out there in the Big 12 going at it, and there's a lot of desperation for Kansas State now, coming off a loss at TCU. Oklahoma State coming off a win, which had followed a loss against TCU. We're going to see a really good one Saturday. Obviously our first time there. And also, unlike that game at Penn State, and I did not choose to go to that game because I think Ohio State's going to roll Saturday. Okay, And I could be wrong there, but I think this one's going to be more competitive. And that's what we're trying to see. We're trying to see the most competitive games. And so we are headed to Manhattan, Kansas. Looking forward to that. And we'll have more to talk about Tuesday night because we'll break that game down. But look at us. Who, who thought, Colin? I mean, Jesse, we, we go to Eugene and we go to Manhattan. I mean, good, good for this. Good for the SEC bias here. Good for us. Good for us. Just throwing crumbs all over the place, huh? It's almost like it was always going to work out that way and people could have just kept their mouths shut and waited to see how it turned out. But I digress. Let's talk about the Ramen Noodle Express. We, uh, we went five and five yesterday. I had some slander being dropped in the chat. Listen, it's as simple as this. We give out some picks during the week. I give out the rest of the picks on Friday night. And in totality, that makes up the Ramen Noodle Express. We went five and five yesterday. No better, no worse. That's 500. And we did not go two and five, as someone was alleging in the comments section. With that in mind, I have one early best bet for you this week. This is not going to help me. I just realized the allegations of Ole Miss haterism, they're not going to be alleviated when I tell you I'm taking Texas A&M plus three because I think A&M is going to beat Ole Miss this Saturday at home. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm not punting wholesale on the Aggies. Give me Texas A&M plus three. I appreciate you guys so much. I have not gotten sleep in 36 hours. So when you hear a sound tonight, that's my head hitting the pillow. But it was worth it, worth every bit of it. We had a great trip this weekend. Looking forward to a big week of games. And we'll be in Kansas this Saturday for Oklahoma State versus Kansas State. We'll be back here same time Tuesday night. Remember, the drive to 150,000 subs continues. And we are ticking ever closer. So grab Grandma's phone, grab Grandpa's phone, and just hit that button and then put it down like nothing ever happened. For Producer Jesse, for Director Colin, I'm Josh Bate. Have a great rest of your evening, a great start to your week. Take care, and God bless. to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.